Hello, and welcome to the first guest episode of Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, a podcast in which I, James Shearer, talk to inspiring and creative people in and around the New Zealand theatre industry and find out how they got that way. Today I am joined by tap extraordinaire Kira Josephson. Listen in to hear Kira describe her upbringing as the daughter of two professional performers. Learn about what compelled her to move from the bustling metropolis of New York City to a small country called New Zealand. And of course, Kira reveals her process of choreographing and recording hilarious tap videos to brighten all of our days on social media. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, enjoy a conversation with Kira on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams. Hey Kira, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> How's this crazy time been for you? You know what? It's been all right, all things considered. I'm pretty lucky in the fact that the project I was involved in has just been postponed and not canceled, like most things. Yes. Um, so I'm clinging to that at the moment, which is very nice. Um, and other than that, I'm really trying to just enjoy the luxury of having time without the pressure to do anything, you know, just enjoy my time at home and with my partner and whatnot. Mm. New Zealand's doing really well with what's going on. Mm. Australia's not doing so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, you know, as soon as the lockdown happened, even a couple of days before, I just kind of, you know, committed to my life at home and uh, only left once to go to the grocery store. And other than that, you know, I've got a nice backyard here and the weather's been lovely and mm. I've just been trying to, you know, stay active any way I can in the confines of my bubble. Yes, the bubble. <laughs> we love the bubble. Indeed. <laughs> um, so the first question I have for you is what is your favorite musical? I get new favorite musicals, you know, the ones that kind of come in and out of my life that I get obsessed with. But the one that I always come back to is Into the Woods. Amazing. I just, to me, it's kind of, it's just kind of a perfect show. You know, the score is incredible. It's got a great book. Like, I, I don't know. I just, that's the one that I always keep coming back to of like, if I had to pick a perfect show, I just think that one has stood the test of time, in my opinion. I just adore it. What's your favorite song in the musical? I love a patter song. So I think I'd have to say Your Fault, the one where they're all <laughs> blaming each other for what's happened. And they're all like overlapping um, each other and everything. Yes, I love that song. I mean, I, I don't think I dislike any song in the show, but I think that one's my favorite, especially as a kid. I loved like learning all the parts to that and feeling like, oh, can I do it as fast as they can? You know, I loved stuff like that. Were you, were you a performer growing up? Your parents are performers, eh? Yes, both of my parents are performers, so I just kind of, I don't know, I don't remember it. I, they didn't certainly didn't force me into it by any means. They weren't like stage parents, but I don't remember it ever like being a decision. It was just something that I always wanted to do. I never had a moment of like, you know what, maybe I'll give it a go. I was just like, well, of course this is what I'm doing, singing and dancing forever. Forever and ever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I can't really remember a time when I did anything else. Hmm. And the the tap thing, was that pretty early as well? Yeah, I did all sorts of dance really young, you know, at the age where you're basically just like 
in a cute outfit and like tapping your toe on the ground. But tap was the one that I enjoyed the most. I don't know. I guess it kind of goes hand in hand where you enjoy doing things you're good at, of course, but then you work harder at the things you enjoy so you get better at them. And tap was always that for me. I just instantly, as soon as I got the shoes on my feet, I just fell in love with doing it. But same thing with the movies I was watching when I was really young. It was all the big tap ones that I wanted to watch over and over again. My poor parents must have seen Singing in the Rain. 3,000 times when I was a kid. <laughs> so I don't know. There must have just been something in me that I wanted to do it. Were they tap dancers as well? Or? No. My dad's an excellent dancer. He was a professional um, like modern dancer and contemporary dancer and does a lot of fossey things like that. He's great with his body that way. Um, but now he's always said, mm. I can't tap dance. I've never seen him do it. So he may be secretly amazing at it. But... <laughs> Maybe he'll surprise you someday. Yeah, he was actually just trying to make me feel better. He's actually, like, incredible at it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't want to overshadow you, but I'm really good. Yeah, no, you do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any other options growing up or like other dreams or was it just this and only this? No, it was just kind of this and only this. I guess I got lucky in the sense that this was always a tangible and real option for me. Um, in the sense that everyone in my family is involved in the arts in some way. So they get it. They understand what this means as a profession and they value it as a valid profession. Um, but also growing up in Southern California, I was really near Los Angeles and San Diego and a couple other big hubs of theater where I was constantly seeing that people were doing this as a real profession full time. Um, so it always yeah, felt like an option, felt like something I could do. And no, there wasn't really ever anything else on the table. I didn't have a good uh, backup plan or anything, as it were. <laughs> mm. The city I grew up in, Laguna Beach, is very heavy into the arts. Like our mascot at school was the artists. Like that was at football games, like go fighting artists. Um, so <laughs> everyone was very involved in the arts. And then my last couple years of high school, I actually convinced my parents I transferred to a performing arts high school. So yeah, even more so, I was just immersed in it all the time. Awesome. What is your dream role that you haven't played yet and that you really want to have a chance at playing? Well, this one still technically counts because I haven't had a chance to play it. <laughs> but honestly, Eliza and My Fair Lady, the character is so well flushed out and there's so much to like delve into. And it's a full play. It's kind of the best of both worlds. It's an amazing musical. There's a great score. But also it's just the dialogue from Pygmalion. So it's a full, thought-out, well-written play. So you kind of get to do both, the, like the acting aspect and then the really great songs. I don't know. I just can't. I can't think of something better than that. <laughs> Did you study theater at all? Yeah. So in my performing arts high school, I majored in musical theater. Mm -hmm. And then I went to university in Missouri, an all-women's college called Stevens College. And I got my BFA there in... I think it was just in theater arts. Cool. How was that process for you? Was it? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. The The university is a really small liberal arts college, and it was really interesting focus-wise having it be an all-women's school. There were guys in the theater and dance department, so we didn't have to do just, you know, all-female productions of, you know, Shakespeare shows all the time or anything like that. Um, but the focus was more on female playwrights and finding shows with great, strong female characters, which was really cool. Um, and there was also a lot of focus on all aspects of theater. Part of the degree was doing a little bit of everything. So it was um, running electrics, building sets, front of house. Um, there was a student-run theater on campus. So it really was training and being able to do a little bit of everything. 
which I adored. Those skills, I think, are the most handy moving forward. Did that run kind of all the way through? Yeah, it was a three-year BFA program, and we did maybe six to eight shows a year. And you could only be in a certain amount of them, and then the rest of the ones you had to fulfill your tech requirements, basically. Um, which was good because it kind of gave different people chances to be in different shows. And it also made you realize that everyone was important. Yeah. It wasn't just kind of, I guess, glorifying the performing. It made sure that you understood how much work went into all the different departments. Yeah. At NASDA, we never really did much of the behind the scenes stuff outside of first year. And I really wish that we could have learned more about the backstage stuff more in depth. I think it gives you a good respect for the people in those roles. It really helps totally. you understand, <laughs> you know, technicians sometimes go, oh, these actors are doing this. And when you're in those positions, you go, oh, oh, I get it. Actors can be really freaking annoying. So it's nice to kind of be on the other side and get what is helpful and what isn't to those different roles. So then when you're in the actor's position, you can hopefully be a little bit more helpful, be a little bit more respectful. Cool. So an interesting question that I always like to ask people is, what is your dream miscast role? Yes, I went through kind of the Sondheim canon because I was like, there's such great male roles in there. Um, and I would have said Bobby and Company, except a woman is playing that. They gender swapped it in the more recent production. So that one I could actually play now. Um, so I think I'm going to have to say Sweeney. And Sweeney Todd, I just like, what a crazy good acting role. It must be so much fun to try to delve into the kind of psychosis of this crazy arc he goes through is just incredible. Yeah, totally. And I also love like a lower sound, like the bass sounds rather than like this kind of... I was, I was going to say all, the, all those low notes. Yes. Now I feel like it's all tenor... 18 year old boys screaming their face off and i'm like that's all well and good but i want some i want some low notes yeah i want to talk a bit about you coming to new zealand first of all why did you decide to come to new zealand and kind of what was that process like transitioning i decided to come to new zealand because i've been living and working out of new york for about five years five six years and i just was ready for a change it's a really aggressive city and I just kind of wanted some space. So I started looking at working holidays and you don't really have many options on a US passport. It's kind of just New Zealand and Australia. And I honestly had one friend that had been to both of those countries and he said, Australia is great. It's beautiful. New Zealand is where you'll never want to leave. And I just absolutely took him at his word and was like, great, New Zealand it is, <laughs> which was kind of a crazy decision, I guess. I didn't know a single person in this country. So looking back, I'm like, that was a weird choice, Kira, but I'm glad I did it, obviously. So I came over and I thought it was just going to be for a year. And then I stayed on a second year. And then I came to Christchurch to do a show at the court. And then I met my partner and stayed on more through that. So I've been here five years now so it was a nice little detour from new york little detour <laughs> yeah but i don't think i'll be leaving anytime soon was it kind of like a obviously it wouldn't have been a completely spur of the moment decision but was it kind of a quick decision or was it more of a well my parents had moved to the czech republic they were both professional performers so they had started working there and they just had such a blast and i thought that was so cool to just move to another country and do theater, still be able to do the thing that you loved. I just, I don't know. I thought it was so cool that they did that. And so it really inspired me. So I think I probably was thinking about it for 
maybe five or six months before I was at work one day and I saw that the flight I'd been stocking was really cheap. And I said to my coworkers, I was like, should I do this? Is this, am I really going to go to New Zealand? And they all were probably mid thirties, early forties, family, kids, all that. And they all just unequivocally said, yes, absolutely. Is that if this is something you think you want to do at any point in your life, do it now because it's just going to get harder and more unrealistic as you get older. Um, so it was really scary when I purchased the ticket. I felt very sick to my stomach, but they, you know, they gave me support and it was great. I just honestly the best decision I've ever made in my life. Mm. When I moved to Aussie, me and Bridie sort of were like, should we, should we move? Where should we move to um, maybe Australia? And then like maybe like a week later, we booked flights, like one way tickets. A week? It was crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's okay, Kira. You're right to be surprised. Hi guys, it's Future James here. I just wanted to clarify this a little bit. We booked flights a week after we decided on Brisbane, but we had been thinking about moving for about half a year, so it wasn't as spur of the moment as we made it sound in this conversation. Right, back to the podcast. I mean, why not? Rip the band-aid, I guess. We didn't have anything planned, and we were like, if worse comes worse, we can just book flights back. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing. Worst case scenario, you just go home, you know? It's never, you're never stuck. You can just make a decision and then go back. Guess you could say worst did come to worst. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but if you can make it through this, you can make it through anything. We're still here, so. <laughs> I'm always interested in what people do when they're not performing and not in a performing gig. Well, I do various different temp jobs. Um, so my my go-to is that even when I am performing, basically I teach tap dancing. Mm. Um, so that keeps me going, which is great. And then, yeah, I do various office administrative tent jobs, which I enjoy because it gives you an insight, I guess, into a lot of different businesses. You know, yeah. I was at the Canterbury District Health Board for probably six months. I worked at the um, Housing Trust. Yeah, it's fun to see kind of how all these different organizations run. It certainly keeps me on my toes and I... I like having different things to kind of come back to. Yeah, I remember you saying when you were sitting at the desk, you just enjoyed chucking in a podcast and just typing away. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm very good at monotonous tasks. Like you can set me up in Excel and say, we need you to format this spreadsheet and it's going to take you 27 hours. And I'll be like, great. I'll listen to some music, listen to a podcast, call it a day. I just kind of zen out because the rest of my life is so kind of active and chaotic i guess with with the performing you know you have to be on all the time and even teaching you know you've got to be really engaging and energetic so honestly to just sit and stare at a screen for a few hours i'm like i can do this this is this is fine <laughs> it's almost like relaxing which i know not a lot of people feel that way so i think that's why i'm good at it because i like <laughs> doing the things that no one else wants to do if you guys are listening at work uh welcome Maybe we can help yeah. call the border <laughs> yes if you're staring at excel <laughs> <laughs> I love a podcast at work, honestly, but sometimes I listen to my like funny ones and I'll feel like an insane person because I'll just be staring at my computer and then just start laughing and have to like cover <laughs> it up with a weird cough. And like people sitting next to me are like, are you all right? The document surely isn't that funny. <laughs> Hopefully we can bring that to some people. Yeah, with any luck at all. Um, I know we've talked a bit about self-isolation. Are you still an American citizen? Or? Yes, I still have my American citizenship. At the moment, I'm a New Zealand resident. So at the end of this year, I can apply for my permanent residency. And then in five short years, <laughs> then I could apply for my New Zealand citizenship. Yay! 
So in no time at all, right when we're coming out of lockout, I'll uh, get my citizenship and uh, <laughs> be on my way. How has the lockdown been on that side of things? Is it pretty easy to handle? Yeah, it's it's all really been fine. I'm I'm honestly happy to be here as opposed to in the States, especially in New York. I just don't envy any of my friends that are there right now because it's such an isolating city as it is. Mm. And you really have to, you know, it's a bunch of people crammed in a really small space. You've got to be around people to do anything. Yeah. You know, you've got to go to the laundromat. You've got to get on a subway to get to the grocery store. You know, it's just jam packed. So I feel so grateful to have the luxury of space here. Yeah, all things considered, I couldn't ask for a better situation. And I'm locked in with my two best friends, one of whom is my partner. You know, I'm not lonely. I'm not at a lack for things to do. I just, I'm very grateful for the situation I'm in at the moment. Yeah, totally. I have seen those clapping videos from New York, though. Those are really cool. Yeah, because as I said, it's a it's an isolating city. You feel very alone. Mm. And I think it's cool to see things like that, to be reminded that there are other people in the same boat, you know, and especially to come together to support something yeah. is really nice. Um, and I've been watching a lot of videos. I love seeing what the isolation kind of has brought out of people's creativity. So I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of, you know, Broadway performers that are coming together mm. to do different things. Table reads of TV shows with all the actors, you know, things to raise money for great organizations. And yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition, I guess, that in this time of isolation, it's like bringing people together in a very interesting way, which is pretty cool to see. I think the resilience of humanity in a situation like that is pretty, pretty nice. It is. Humans are awesome most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes they're awful. I must just be in a great mood. <laughs> Talk to me in half an hour and I'll be like, I'm sick of everyone. <laughs> I know you've been doing like your tap videos, which are awesome, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> There's something else. Something else. <laughs> <laughs> what is that process of making those videos like? Do you listen to the song over and over again and then put on your tap shoes and tap? Sometimes it takes me a couple songs to settle on the one I want to do for the day because sometimes rhythms just don't feel right to you or the vibe of the music isn't just I'm not my body isn't sitting well in it so sometimes I'll have to skip around until I find one that I'm like oh yeah I'm in the zone for this today um and I'll just yeah just listen to the same parts of the song kind of over and over again because it's not just about tempo you know it's not just about making sure you're tapping at the same time as the music but there will be different emphasis in the music different kind of push and pull and so it's really figuring out kind of what sounds correspond well with that or counter it in the right way. So I'll just set up my tap board in the living room and my videos are only about 30 to 45 seconds, I'm going to say, but it to choreograph it takes me maybe an hour, an hour and a half, depending on how tricky the rhythms are. And then I'll just set up my phone and I put the put the music over the speakers through the TV and then give it a go. I record an absurd amount because <laughs> if one sound is out i'll be like no not good enough gotta do another take um but it's i mean honestly what else am i doing it's fun to have a project it's fun to have something to kind of focus on daily i'm glad i've got something that has me moving around a lot because otherwise i think i'd just be sitting on the couch so it's kind of fun putting that much work into it i guess and you know at the end of the day it is just meant to be silly so it's been nice that people have been enjoying them because i you know just trying to entertain myself really <laughs> <laughs> um we touched a little bit on my fair lady for those who don't know kira is going to be i'm going to say going to be playing yeah eliza doolittle <laughs> in my fair lady 
we are recording this on April 3rd. Yeah. And tonight was supposed to be opening night. Yeah, let's see. It's 4 p.m. So the show would have been in three and a half hours. So I would be beside myself, <laughs> freaking out at the moment. So. <laughs> well, I guess that's a positive that you're not doing that right now. Yeah. Stephen, the director, texted me last night and he said, hope you're ready for opening tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, great. Thanks. <laughs> Amazing. How far back in the process were you like... Had you gotten to the theater yet? No, we weren't in the theater yet, but with the exception of one scene, we were done with the entire show. (laughs) So we we were pretty far along, and I think my greatest regret is that at that time we didn't get kind of a a run-through, a put-together of everything. Mm. Because we had worked really hard on all these individual pieces, and at the moment they're still kind of floating around loosely in my brain. Mm. And... Yeah, we've yet to see kind of the whole process, the whole arc of what everyone goes through. We don't have the continuity of it yet. So I think it'll be interesting coming back to it and trying to re-solidify all of those pieces. It's going to be a really interesting process, to be honest. Mm. I wrote down an obsessive amount of notes because <laughs> right now everything's fresh in my brain. And I was like, of course, I'll remember. And I, and I wrote down everything. I was like, pick up this book sit down on this line, turn and look at this person. Because I was like, I don't want to, we worked so hard on it. I don't want to come back to it and be like, no, what did I do? (laughs) I think something I'm clinging to also is that, of course, we would all rather be opening tonight. Of course, we were right in the thick of it. Energy Mm. was building. And it was a big kind of emotional blow, I guess, to not be able to do it right now. But I just have to imagine that when we come back to it in September, the energy is just going to be through the roof. Getting to come back with most, hopefully, most everyone, the same group of people, and recreate it and to, like, finally get on the stage with the orchestra and stuff, I just think that it's just going to be an outrageous experience. And the audiences as well. That's going to be so amazing for everyone to come together. Well, I hope so, yeah. If people, you know, were already excited about it. And I think maybe this is just a performer's viewpoint. But when I see shows, I'll get emotional quite often when i think Mm. about what it must be like to be those performers yeah doing it so it's i I don't know maybe i'm thinking kind of outside of the experience i should just be i guess swept up in the show but you know i look at it and i just think oh my god imagine being that performer right now that must feel so amazing so i just think for people coming to see it they must know how hard it was for us and uh, you know how much we were looking forward to it and so to get to see us finally do it i hope people will be quite emotional about it you know i know i certainly will be i don't think i actually put this question in the document that i sent you i thought well then i won't be answering it i will not be doing that (laughs) (laughs) that is not in my contract (laughs) yeah i thought of it after i sent it to you it's probably really corny but what is your kiwi (laughs) dream i know it's weird because you're not a kiwi I'm not a Kiwi, but that's okay. It is okay. It's okay to not be a Kiwi. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, someone has said it. You're so brave. Um, people ask me quite a lot, you know, oh, do you want to stay in Christchurch? Do you want to stay in New Zealand and things like that? And honestly, I, I love it here. I don't, I don't want to leave. And the only thing that I am constantly striving for, and so I guess this would be my answer, is that I just want to continue growing and doing things that challenge me. So with each new experience, I feel like I get better, Mm. and that's what I want to continue doing, just growing, just feeling like, oh, I'm a better performer from doing that show with those people. 
you know, upskilling, doing things that I are out of my comfort zone, doing things that are new to me. That's my dream. I don't know. That might seem kind of small, I guess, to some people, especially, I guess, if you're from across the world and dreaming of living in New York and being on Broadway and things like that. And I'm not saying those aren't also wonderful dreams, but mm. I don't know. From living in New York and seeing, I guess, the toll that achieving those dreams can take, I just... I'm so happy here. I don't know. I just feel like my quality of life is so much better. And yeah, I think as long as I can continue to grow and be spiritually fulfilled and satisfied, I think that's what I mean, where I just feel like, oh, I'm proud of what I've just accomplished. That's honestly the only goal I really have. Yeah, I think it's, you know, more than okay to have quote unquote small dreams mm. and not to have that specific thing, but to make small goals and stuff. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and I was talking to someone about it recently because we were just talking about, you know, that kind of rat race of, you know, trying to be on Broadway and things like that. And I think what's been interesting to see is as I have friends that have been cast in Broadway shows and things like that is, um, I think people treat stuff like that as an end game of that's it. That's the end of the finish line. And it's not. Everything just keeps going. You know, I have yeah. these friends that they, they, they're in a Broadway show. That's great. The show closes and then they're just back auditioning again. I think it's people that treat getting married as the end game yeah. as opposed to just, okay, but now, but now you're married. You still have to put work into the relationship. It's not all said and done. And I think it's the same thing. People go, and that's the goalpost. That's it. Getting this one job. And then they get it and you go, okay, well, now what are you going to do? Mm. Or they don't get it and, you know, you're devastated. So if you don't have such a high goalpost to reach for. Mm. Yeah. Well, and even just things outside of that one dedicated goal, you know, I absolutely think it's great to go, oh, I'd love to star in a movie or whatever your mm. your big end thing is. I think that's great. But as long as you're supplementing that with other things that make you a happy human, you know, so that it's not be all end all. Totally. How inspirational you two are. Hi, guys. Future James here again. I just wanted to add some context for this next part. Kira and I had been having issues with our Zoom call, and it was at this point that the Zoom decided to just let me hear Kira's voice and not let me see her face. I was going to edit this part out, but we had some funny banter in here, so I wanted to leave it in. Enjoy. Wow. So the video's just completely stopped, but I can still hear your audio perfectly, so great. great. That's all we need, right? I can see you fine. You look great. I think you've got a little isolation beard going. Uh, yeah, it's probably before the isolation. <laughs> Ben's growing like an isolation beard, which I'm desperately trying to talk him out of, but. <laughs> but you know what he's just got to go on his own journey and he will reach a point when he's done with this journey with the beard or not and that's fine or not <laughs> <laughs> inspiring words that's what we try to do with this podcast is just inspire people to grow beards. do what they want oh yeah do what grow they beards want. if they want to yeah sure that's my kiwi dream <laughs> and that's the podcast <laughs> great god we ended on a strong note beards and dreams beards and dreams the only way to eat it hashtag beard <laughs> hashtag dream beard <laughs> that's it hi everyone thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed finding out a bit more about kira just as much as i did you can find kira and all of her tat antics on instagram by searching at kira mgj it's at k-i-r-a-m-g-j if you did enjoy this episode, why not show it to someone who you think might enjoy it? 
If you think they won't enjoy it, just show them anyway and see what they say. You can find out more about this podcast, as well as where to listen, on our website. You can also find us on your favourite social media outlet. All of those links are in the description of this episode. Join me next week as I talk to someone who owns both a company and a sloth with an Instagram account on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams. Mm-hmm.